Hello and welcome to Romance Isn't Dead, episode 10, Love, Loss, and a Happily Ever After. This week marks episode 10. Can you believe it, Ray? Episode 10. I know. I did wonder when we first started, would we actually get to episode three? <laughs> Five was like a landmark. And then this And then like, six Holy. went wrong. Yeah. Oh, was it number six that went wrong? It was indeed. So six became 6B and then yeah. six became, then original six became seven. And... Yeah. That's okay. It's okay. You got to do, you do what you got to do, right? You do what you got to exactly. do. Exactly. Okay, that's awesome. So we're on our fifth book review today. And we are this was your pick. Uh, 2011 book by British author Jill Mansell and one of her all-time favorites called To the Moon and Back. Ray, this is your pick, so talk to us. Okay, um, I don't know why this is one of my favorite books, but it was... Um, I'd read about maybe six of Mansell's before I read this one and I just fell in love with the characters. It was, it's a really, it's completely off the beaten path for us. There is Mm -hmm. zero smut. It is more about, um, growing love and relationships, building friendships and, um, a woman getting back on uh, several characters actually, um, mm-hmm. recovering after the loss of their loved ones. Mm-hmm. Um, and for some reason, the main character of Ellie, even though I haven't been through what she went through, I could identify with a lot of how she feels about things, the whole um, sinking into depression and not wanting to get out in the world and hating the awkwardness. Essentially, Ellie is relatively young. She's been married to her teenage sweetheart she knew she was in love with him from the minute they met Mm. and he gets tragically killed on the night of a school reunion Mm. um in a well he does that's the thing he he has an accident his best friend gets out of the accident with scrapes and cuts and bruises and her husband jamie is in a coma until they tell her and jamie's father that he has no brain activity and they switch off the life support. Mm-hmm. And this book is about her finding herself again mm-hmm. and finding someone else to be with. Mm-hmm. But in, along the way, she makes some friends. She gets a new job. She has a disastrous first foray into post-widow love with the best friend of her husband, which turns out really badly but it doesn't because they're still friends and he meets someone who he is in love with in turn. Mm-hmm. And then she has another relationship with a writer, but she isn't, she calls him an 8.5. Mm-hmm. Though mm-hmm. in reality in her head, he's an eight. And that means that mm-hmm. she, she doesn't want to commit to him. Right. And then she finds eventual happiness, which is mm-hmm. lovely. And mm-hmm. of course, on, along the way, there are other romances for other characters. You've got her new best friend, mm-hmm. Rue, who is involved with a married man, and that goes as well as it always does, badly. Mm-hmm. And her father-in-law, mm-hmm. who finds eventual sort of love with a woman who is 
trying to find herself when her husband is diagnosed with early onset Alzheimer's. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a jolly happy <laughs> story. I'm making it sound really appealing here, but it is. It's my favourite. <laughs> Sally, this I mean, this wasn't my first reading. This is probably about my 12th or 13th reading of the book. And I devoured it in probably about four hours mm-hmm. on Friday night because mm-hmm. I knew I needed to keep it fresh in my head. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> um... Okay, so this is, um, I kind of divided my thoughts up into the, the bad and the good, right? Yeah, um, always good. Um, and I like to do the bad first because I want to end on a happy note. Um, maybe this is just my <laughs> Kindle, but my formatting on it, um, the switching points of view throughout the book kind of drove me crazy because there weren't any transitions. And I don't know if in a print copy of the book, there would be like a couple of extra spaces to kind of let me know, oh, we're moving to another character, but I didn't have that in my Kindle. So it just immediately went one line and then the next line was somebody else entirely. And so I was kind of reading it in, you know, romance novel mode. I was reading it in fiction mode, which means I kind of turned my brain, my critical brain off and just went. And the problem with turning your critical brain off and just going with this was that I'm like, wait, what just happened? You know, whose point of view is this? Because my Kindle didn't give me those transitions that I needed. So it's probably... I wonder if it was just the American version because I haven't read it as a paperback. I actually had, Mm -hmm. I actually bought it as a Kindle book when it first came out. I was on the waiting list, well, on the waiting list because I found out it was coming out. And then I purchased, then obviously it was delivered on the day of release, but I've only had it in in um, Kindle format. And I'm wondering if it's maybe the US version Kindle formatting is slightly different. Possibly. So for me, that was a little distracting, but I, that's not a reflection on the author. Um, I think that's a reflection on the formatting of my ebook. <laughs> okay. So now as, as a reflection of the author... Um, the fade to blacks are fine, but I could have done with a little bit more detail, not even gratuitously, but like when she is finally at the point where she decides that she's ready to have sex again, she says to, what was his name? Joe. Was it Joe? Joe. I'm sorry, yeah. Jamie, Joe. I, okay. So she says Jamie was J- the husband. Joe was the, um, writer. Okay. And so, and both names are very forgettable i mean as is todd um but anyway um but that i think is just a british taste thing as opposed to my more american kind of over the topness okay um i could have done a little with a little bit more detail beyond just okay let's do this thing like that's a quote let's do this thing Mm -hmm. maybe add a kiss and unbutton a shirt you know just let me know that this is more than just, a, okay, I've got to check this off the list. Does that make sense? That's the thing. I think for her, for Ellie, it's for Ellie, not for Jill Mansell. It was a, I need to get this done. I need to get it over with kind of thing. Yes. And I think that she discusses it with Rue as it is the, um, as though it is something that she needs to just get back on the horse yeah. and do it. Once she's done it the first time, it's going to be easier for her. To right. separate, especially as she keeps on having conversations with her dead husband. Right. 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 Those are the bits that really break my heart, to be fair. Yeah. Okay. And then, then she, the reader gets walloped with, you don't want to tell your current boyfriend that you're just pretending he's your ex-husband. Well, 
I didn't have any internal monologue, or maybe I just missed it. I, I, I needed some internal monologue about that, how she was really doubting this relationship and that, and that she was using him as a stand-in, like some acknowledgement of that before it just got hit with it. And I was like, wait, you could have mentioned that earlier. You know what I mean? I, I don't know. And I think, too, I'm harder on Ellie than I should be, but this probably has more to do with the kind of, first of all, person I am and... um and what I want my fictional heroines to be. So that's, that's on me. Um, and so anyway, that actually brings me the good for me, which is that I feel like this is a fairly realistic thing. Like you're going to move through these stages of grief and you're going to be the numb, like she's numb, right? She, but she doesn't yeah. want to give up. So, I mean, I really appreciated a lot of that stuff where she's, I think the author's very, very uh, good about it being fairly realistic to what it would be if you had suddenly lost the love of your life, right? Mm. Um, and uh, the other thing is, it's very slice of life, British slice of life, and I don't think I would have known what I was reading if I wasn't friends with you. <laughs> when you start talking about like counsel and stuff like that, I would have been like, what? I don't understand. Just because, because you have legal counsel and that is the counsel you have, isn't it? Well, Rather than counsel like yeah, we well, have. I mean, we have, we, have a city, we have city council, but our city council doesn't do all the things that your city council does. Do you know what I mean? They yeah. deal with other things. And so it would have, and, and I don't even live in a town that has a city council because it's just a designated census place. It's not an actual city with a council per se. So I grew up in a village and we had a council. <laughs> and there were 8,000 people living in the village, but we had a parish council. Okay, honey. Um, first <laughs> of all, the town that I actually grew up in had a town council, yes, but only 300 people lived in the city limits. <laughs> now, that having been said, the place where I live now is much larger than that town, but it does not have any kind of self-government. It's just a census-designated place. And that is... That is tax stuff. It keeps our taxes low here on this side of the river. So... <laughs> You sounded like you were somewhere in the bayou when you said that. <laughs> mm -mm. No, no, honey. That's how we talk. So anyway, um, no, I, it, it's, it's, a it's a tax thing. Just kind of let it go. But I would not have known what that stuff meant if I wasn't friends with you. And I'm not sure it would have taken me out of it. But what I do appreciate is that I did get it and I felt like it was uh, true to... British life, if you will. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's the thing. I think that um, when it comes to the cultural transfer, we get far more of a visual, we get far more visual access to how things run in the US mm -hmm. than the American people get of how things exactly. run in the UK. Exactly. And that was the other thing I said, and that's how I think a Brit might feel trying to decode an American novel as well. Um, you know, if you were, if I was to write a novel and really try to Im imbue it with what it's like to be a small town person in South Carolina, 
there would be some legit things where you would probably say to me, you're going to have to explain this to me. Like the whole census designated place thing. I don't actually live in a town, you know, but thousands of people live here. You know, I'd have to explain some of that stuff to you. So, um, anyway, um, it was also really sweet and I was glad to finally get to a place where they were, um, where they were finally talking to each other. She and Zach were finally talking to each other. But that took 85% Ages. of the novel. 85% of the novel, they're dancing around each other. And me being the impatient Gryffindor, I'm like, hello, just say something. <laughs> yeah, but at the same time, there was that whole, I mean, he had the misunderstanding to start with that she was involved with her father-in-law and he was keeping her in a pied de terre because um, essentially the council thing came about because mm-hmm. Ellie is living in a house in a flat that she lived in with her husband. She doesn't want to move mm-hmm. and it's growing mold down the walls. Um, they've mo- the council have um, the council have moved very unsavory tenants mm-hmm. into the flats around hers mm-hmm. And Tony, her father-in-law, is a wealthy actor, very well known. And he moves her, he basically tells her, Jamie wouldn't want you to live like this. I'm going to buy somewhere over here and you Mm -hmm. live there. Mm -hmm. And I'll have somewhere to go when I come down. And Zach misunderstands their relationship when he first sees her Mm -hmm. and thinks that she's involved with her Mm father-in-law. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm, I, I get it, I get it, I, and I understand you're telling the our listeners that more than me. But yeah, <laughs> I get that too. But that's how the council thing came about. And right. the council in the UK, the councils are um, responsible for um, social housing. Mm-hmm. So they essentially um, help um, people in certain situations to find somewhere to live and mm-hmm. quite often they are people who have been evicted from previous housing um, can't afford um, the upkeep of a house they're living in and that's why the situation that Ellie was in came about the people that were living there were incredibly unsavory drug addicts um, alcoholics who needed home and it's not mm-hmm. always the case it's not always the case. I will stress that's that is not the norm, but at the same time, that is what they're there for. Well, let's let's put, let's be honest. That's what the author needed it to be in this case. So. Yes, it really was. I mean, she was living in a relatively um, lower priced part of London mm-hmm. because they didn't live off his father. They both had jobs, mm-hmm. which is good. And he just yeah. kind of came into town and bought their dinner, which is nice. Yeah, that's nice. I like that. That's good. And, um, yeah, so I, I appreciate that a lot. Okay, so um, what else do you want to talk about? Well, that's the thing. I'm, I'm curious to find out. I know that, for me, I had a huge emotional connection to all the characters, and Sally, you've already said <laughs> you didn't feel the same way, but I wonder if that is because, I mean, this is the first book by a British author we've read mm-hmm. as part of this. We've read and a New Zealand author, to be fair. We have read a New Zealand author. So Commonwealth, yes. <laughs> yes. But it's also the first book that we've read that has had no smut in it. This right. is the first. And I purposely picked this one partially because I love the book, but also because I think that it was it wasn't a the two character the two main characters are a 
clearly going to be together at the end of the book and B, jump into bed. Mm -hmm. So was that something that sort of surprised you? I mean, I know I've warned you a little bit, but at the same time, was it a bit surprising that there was no sexual interaction in that was Um, in any way graphic? Well, I'll be honest. I didn't, because you had said to me, this is chiclet, not not traditional body stripper. I didn't expect any. Um, I will also say that um, I think that's, and that's not my general genre. Like I don't read a lot of chiclet. Um, and um, let me say this. I was really glad it wasn't a Nicholas Sparks novel where they just continually just died and made everyone cry. Um, Why would I pick one of them? <laughs> I don't know, but people love his books and, and, and they love the movies and I get it, but I just don't want to cry. That's not my favorite thing to do. I haven't even seen the notebook. I don't think I have either. Mostly cause I don't want to spend the day <laughs> crying. Um, so that's just me. Um, so no, I don't, I don't have a, 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 um, I really enjoyed the books. I, I did feel an emotional connection. Like I said, I did get a little bit impatient with Ellie and I think it's just because I'm, that's who I am. Right. And, um, because I want her to just like, okay, it's time to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. But that has more to do with, you know, how I was raised and, and the nature of love and loss in my life and all that stuff. So I think that has more to do with me than it does her. And I don't have a problem really with that. I wouldn't have a problem handing this book to any anyone that I know to read um, because it is very sweet and the characters are very relatable and very nice. And I really liked Zach um, as a hero, although I never had a, f- I never got a full picture in my head of what Zach actually looked like. You know what I mean? I just knew he was can, handsome. I mean, you- yeah, that's the that is the description you kept on getting of him. It was that he was handsome, right. and Ellie was, and he found Ellie beautiful from the moment he saw her. Right. However, I don't think, for me, I think it is a lot to do with you got a perfect description of Rue, with her cut short, short cut blonde hair and right. the pixie yeah. features and everything else. But you, the the image you got of Ellie was almost like very every man mm-hmm. so not so not so much that you could insert yourself into the book because I don't think that given the situation that Ellie finds herself in the beginning you'd actually want yourself to be inserted into that particular situation right. however I think it was more so you can identify with her mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I have to say that that is something that um, Jill Mansell does quite a lot in her books mm-hmm. it's the characters are not so well-defined that you build up an image of them in your head that is so specific mm-hmm. it's not like um Lou in um me before you where you've got such a an image of her in your head when the movie came out it was like well that doesn't look like her mm-hmm. I understand I understand and, and that's I think probably possible even probable um and like and in my head, I'm sure that, that she described her beforehand and I just missed it. But I remember in my head, Ellie, maybe it's because, maybe because of Legally Blonde with Elle, right? She well, was my blonde. niece is Ellie. Yeah. <laughs> 
in my head, she was blonde. And then when he said something, there was a description, I think, from Zach with her long, dark hair. And I was like, wait, she's a brunette? What? Um, <laughs> well, that's good. She's a brunette. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that she's a brunette. I just missed it until like 90% into the book. Um, but it was, I don't think it was so relevant it, because they, to him, she was... Right. And, and you know Wonderful. What? And he really, he liked her from the minute he saw her at the hotel where she was having dinner with Tony. Absolutely. And, but I'm just saying, I kind of got, it just threw me a little bit. That's all. Um, that's all. It's, and it's totally fine. And that's on me. I just didn't, you know what I mean? It was just, it just startled me. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> it's fine. It's totally <laughs> fine. I, f- I find with um, this type of book, the appearance of the characters isn't quite so important. Because it's not about the fantasy. Whereas a lot of the books we read are about the fantasy. They are a different time, a different universe, a different kind of world. And mm-hmm. the fantasy is what it's about. So you yes. imagine characters with very, very beautiful, Specific, ethereal yeah. features. And they're about them. But if you look at the covers of... The large majority of chick lit novels these days, there is no picture of a character on the front. Mm-mm. There is no hugely detailed description of them. And I think that's what that that is one of the core, for me at least, differences between chick lit and urban romance, um, paranormal, supernatural, mm-hmm. historical. That is the difference between them. It is more the fact that the characters are every man. They are normal um nine to five working Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. real people Mm -hmm. and I think that for me is the difference it's like Bridget Jones Mm -hmm. in a way not Mm -hmm. because Bridget Jones you get a very good picture of (laughs) I like those novels by the way um huh I haven't read them oh really I have I I read the column but I never read the books. Oh, I don't know anything about the column, but I did read the books. Started off as a column in the newspaper. But... Mm-hmm. Bridget Jones's Diary. Yep, yep, yep. I enjoyed that quite a bit, actually. Um, I read both of those books. but <clears throat> And that's funny because um, that's... There's now three. Oh, I read two. Um, obviously, I didn't enjoy them enough to go hunting down the third one. But... Um, <laughs> Sorry, but no, I enjoyed those, and I don't remember the the chain of events. Like, did I read, I want to say I saw the first movie, and then I went and read the book. I think that was the chain of events, Um, because a good friend of mine is a huge Colin Firth fan, and, and. Understandable. And we, we both were like, oh, yeah, let's, sure, let's go see this. And then we both were like, oh, this is fabulous. We loved it. And I think part of it was because we kind of related to it, wanting to lose the last bit of weight, wanting to, and it hit us at exactly the right age where we were turning into, why aren't you married yet stuff, but we weren't quite considered. Spencers. Yeah, like, we're not spinsters, we're not on the shelf in the modern sense yet. Um, but she and I both, she and I both, but she and I both got married late. I mean, she got married when she was in her late twenties and I was in my very early thirties. Like I was, (laughs) I think I turned 
32 the day after I got married. Yeah, I turned 32 the day after I got married. And she had already been married for maybe four years at that point. So she got married in her late 20s, like 28 or so. So that's not considered that late these days, though, is it? Well, I mean, it was where we are in the world. Um, we, we were definitely in the second wave of marriages. How's that? We were not in that first wave of you're getting out of college now, get married, early 20s. This was late 20s. Parents are starting to despair that you'll ever get married or you don't have a boyfriend right now. What are you talking about? Yeah, we were getting there. Oh, I've got, I've gone past that. I've gone um, way past that. Um, I've got friends who have, I've got friends who are becoming grandparents. I'm way past the <laughs> first, second, I'm maybe third or fourth wave of marriage. Um... Well, let me say this. I have people that I graduated with from high school who are grandparents and they've been grandparents for years now. And one, um, she, she, not only is she a grandparent, she has a child who's younger than her grandchild. It was a surprise baby. Big surprise. Yeah. It was like, wait, what? And then, oh, it's really actually tragic. But, um, yeah, it's, you yeah. see, I think that's the sort of the generation almost that this kind of novel is targeted at mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. it is appealing to the there is a second chance. I mean, you look at Tony, um, her fa- uh, Ellie's father-in-law right. with Martha. I mean, they're in their late 50s. Yes, yes, yes. And they are moving on with their lives and both going through certain things and have have experienced they've got um, children they've got Mm -hmm. well in Martha's case grandchildren Mm -hmm. and they are established in their lifestyles and everything else and they are finding Mm -hmm. second or third love Mm -hmm. and then you've got Ellie who is sort of Tony's child's widow and she's now finding her second love. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you've got you've got the appeal to multiple generations in there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but they weren't written. I don't think they. I mean, they were written with a, a target audience in mind. But at the same time, they weren't targeting teenagers. Though Mm-mm. this was actually a book my niece read when she was like thirteen and loved. Really. I know, and she's not a reader. Interesting. Interesting. I wonder if it was maybe the fact that the character had the same name as her, but at the same time, it was a book that she read and finished, and she really isn't a reader, no matter how hard I try. <laughs> Some people just aren't. Some people yeah, just exactly. aren't. Yeah, exactly. But it has that appeal because there is the the hope, I mm-hmm. think. That there is something else out there. Exactly, that, that that you do still have a chance no matter how old you are, no matter what your situation, your circumstances, you can still find someone. It's to not, love. Yeah, it's not all over. Gotcha. No, I agree. I totally agree. Um, I think it's, um, I, I really do. I, this book was good because it did, um, it made me feel the feelings, right? Yay. Um, I did enjoy that about it. And it was a little, uh, it was a little bit outside of what I normally read, but that's totally fine. You know, I think that's completely legitimate to be, you know, 
not something I normally read. And, and I did enjoy it. Am I going to knock you down to read another Jill Mansell book? No, but am I going to be resistant to reading one? No, I'm not. You know what I mean? Like, I'm she's not on my auto bow list, mm. just because chiclet's not really my thing. Um, as crazy as that sounds, oh, have a I romance never, podcast. And <laughs> I never. That's the thing. I ne- I mean, I never thought that chiclet was on mine, but I was off work for some reason or other, and a friend loaned me a book. And it set me on the path of basically when I start reading something, I will read a lot, as is proved by the fact that I think I've read nine books in the Bridgerton and Bridgerton subseries since we read the other Miss Bridgerton. And I have no idea why, because I didn't enjoy the other Miss Bridgerton overly. Um, However, I have now read nine of those books. I get on a roll and I will carry on moving with it. What? So, yeah, I know. Don't even, don't even. <laughs> I know. Right now, Sally's looking at me with this horrified, oh my God, expression on her face. Um, but <laughs> I don't know. I even read the second book in the Rokesby series. Don't even go there. But um, I just started reading and I carried on. And I do that a lot. And that is my problem with Kindle Fire or Kindle in general is the fact that it is so easy to just go, oh, next book. Bye. Hello. Another book to read. Holy crap. I've read 28 books this year. (laughs) Girl, you go. You go, girl. I've got a, I've got a problem. Uh, you do. <laughs> there should be, there should be a, um, a, a club somewhere. You know, Overeaters Anonymous, Alcoholics Anonymous, Overreaders Anonymous. Anonymous. Yeah, Overreaders Anonymous should be my group, and I should go to meetings regularly because Shoot. I have a problem. <laughs> well, you can't do it though because they tell you to stop reading, and that's not acceptable unless you're yeah. stopping reading because you're writing, and then you can do that. You can uh-huh. write. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, well, we won't touch that one with a basketball. <laughs> but hey, is... I've got a story. Do haven't started it yet. <laughs> Yay! Well, you've got one of mine in your inbox. I know, but I, th- then I have to. I, I need to read that, and then I need to. Yeah, I've got. Like I said, I got a story. Do I need to to do? Anyway, it is That's what it is. That's the thing with writing. When you start reading, you stop writing. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Which is why I think we had this conversation not that long ago about how if we want to write anything, we have to step away from the screen. Mm-hmm. Yep. Because we get distracted. Yeah. Both of us handwrite a lot of stuff before we type anything. Sometimes. Sometimes I carry I carry a pad around with me, and I feel like we should add a disclaimer here that I, or I'm going to add a disclaimer here. I am not a public published author, um, but I I do write some fanfic here and there, and and that's why I someone has asked me to write a very specific fanfic or at least a very specific type of fanfic. And I've been thinking about it and thinking about it and haven't quite decided which way to go yet. And I, I think I've decided which way to go, but but my in my head, I'm having trouble just getting the oomph of getting started. And it doesn't help that it's starting to be crunch time of the semester and I've got lots of papers to mark and all that stuff. So, real life. It sucks. Yeah, and I write for a living. Yeah, 
But so, I don't write fun stuff for a living. I write about cars. Cars. Cars can be fun. I love cars. I don't drive. I love cars. <laughs> yeah, everyone at work finds that hilarious. Mm. I'm a writer who writes about cars and loves cars, but cannot drive one. Mm. And I had a year's worth of driving lessons, so go me. I'm really good at it. Um, but I do. I started writing fiction and original stuff when I was about eight. Mm-hmm. And I finished my first full-length novel when I was 13. It is still um, hand. It was typed on a manual typewriter and is still um, in a box and will never see the light of day, ever. And I had a short story. And I had a short story published in some letters, and that's pretty much it. So I'm not exactly published either. I'm just aspiring, as yeah. so many people do. <laughs> we're we're aspiring writers. But anyway, um, if you're a published writer, we'd love to hear from you. Absolutely. That would be interesting. I would love to have an interview potentially with a with a published author or and, and have them sort of job with it, like talk to us about what it's like to write for publication, like for publication. Yeah. That how do you how do you work with deadlines? Mm-hmm. How do you work through the killer that is writer's block? Because, oh, mm-hmm. that is hell. Um, and how do you get your ideas? Mm-hmm. That is, we'd love to hear from you. If you want to come and babble with us at any point, get in touch. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah, absolutely. That would be fun. Um, I think that we should, hopefully, we'll have an author reach out and say, hey, I'd like to be on your podcast. Because I think that that will also be interesting for our listeners as well. Um, and yeah, it could be fun. And yeah, as we said, there are a lot of aspiring writers out there mm-hmm. who look to, yeah. And it, it, I think it would be nice to have someone who's actually you know, pulled the trigger and and put themselves out there and, and gotten it done. So yeah. I would love how to did, do that. How did you get the confidence to do it? Do right. you ever still feel that dread mm-hmm. when you type the words, the end, Mm-hmm. and send it off to somebody what how do you feel about that I know right. that when I when I press submit and I'm posting something on AO3 it's like oh my god I don't know if I want people to read this <laughs> you're not wrong <laughs> I feel the same when I'm at work and I press publish on an article that I've spent six weeks writing mm. and <laughs> and there's nothing there's nothing objective and there's nothing subjective in that is all fact right it's there's no way to be there's no uh it might be right or wrong there is either right or there is wrong Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's just that's it so and I feel dread whenever I do that and I'm getting paid for that one (laughs) (laughs) getting paid for this and I don't want to do this yeah no I get that too I get that too all right well do we have anything else we want to say about to the moon and back um I'd say that it was one of the first books that pushed me on the path to continuing to read Jill Mansell and it's the reason I recommended this one is because it was the one that I love the most I've got Mm -hmm. all of her books I even have a couple of them in hardback from Mm -hmm. delivered on the day of publication kind of like my Harry Potter books and she is one of my she is my must buy. I think I mentioned her last week in she mm-hmm. is her and Jenny Colgan are my two must buys. And if you like a light hearted, 
with a bit of serious depth to them and some funny bits and some characters you can really relate to. It is, I'd say, definitely go out and pick out one of her books. Mm-hmm. You can't really go wrong, right. apart from the solo, but we won't go there. Okay. All right. Um, what about I, would you? Just, I would just say that as... Um, if you are interested in sort of a slice of life novel that really sort of takes you into, um, into everyday real world stuff, then absolutely this would be a fun book for you, be a good book for you because it's not, um, it's not too overwhelmingly so. And, um, and I would say that you should definitely, um, give it a go. That was what I would say. Give it a go. So I liked it. Does that work? Yay. Yeah. All right, cool. One up from me. <laughs> All right. So the next book is my pick and we are moving back into smutty books. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. This one's smutty. Um, it's called Dark Highlander by Karen Marie Moaning. It's an older one, but it is my favorite of her Dark Highlander series or her Highlander series. And I think it's actually the first one I read. So you can read it as a standalone, but it's not... Um, it is part of a series, but you can read it as a standalone. That's the thing with hers, isn't it? You can read all of those mm-hmm. books in the series mm-hmm. as standalones because their mm-hmm. stories are all completely separate. Exactly. And so I really enjoyed that one. And and um, I liked it a lot. So I thought that we could revisit we could revisit The Dark Highlander by Karen Marie Moaning. And I think we'll be, do that in, we'll be doing that in two weeks. I can talk. I can talk. <laughs> It is early for you, to be fair. Yes, it is. It's and I've already had four cups of coffee, so. Mm, I'm jelly. <laughs> and I have to record another podcast immediately after this one. So I am like, ah! <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> what I did can you do... sign yourself up for? Yeah, well, I needed to do it, though. I needed to do it because this is this this is actually going to be a fun one for me, but. It's just one of those. It's like, okay, I can do this. <laughs> one more. Um, all right. Um, so, anything else to say today? No, apart from we are now on Facebook. Oh, cool. Yes, that's correct. Yep. That's correct. We are on Facebook. So, if you look us up with the same tag we have on Twitter, which is ISN Romance, you will find our page where we will be po- where. We'll be posting um, links to our YouTube podcast videos. They aren't really a video. You can listen to it in the background. Leave comments. Leave likes. Um, please. Mm. <laughs> God, that sounds begging. Please uh, <laughs> love us. <laughs> well, kidding, kidding, kidding. <laughs> but no, we not are really. on, Yeah. <laughs> but we are on um facebook we're on twitter we're on Podbean, spotify we're pretty much everywhere now yeah, i know I, the, list, the list is really really long and the list of everywhere you can find us is actually on a post on our blog which is romance not dead dot wordpress.com perfect 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 ray is a star because she can do that stuff and me i'm just like oh sure i'll i'll share this <laughs> but <laughs> i'm terrible y'all i'm terrible all good things come from ray at this point all right so how would you like to sign off ray i would like to say keep on searching for your happily ever after 
Wonderful. And I would just remind you that romance isn't dead. It's alive and well on our bookshelves. Bye. Bye.